our succession journey is we want to partner with people that want to open businesses. We want to provide them all the value they need for the things they don't have. And then eventually we're going to, we do a partnership agreement that says the day you don't want us is the day we will leave. You're listening to Elevate, the official podcast of Elite Agent for real estate industry sales professionals, property managers and leaders. With thanks to our partner Connect Now, Elevate brings you the best tools, thinking and strategies to elevate your results. To get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast, visit joineliteagent.com. And for more information about how Connect Now can make moving easier on your clients, visit connectnow.com.au. Welcome to another episode of the Elevate podcast, where we delve into some of the most interesting minds in business and in real estate for the very best tips and strategies for you to implement to elevate your business. I'm Elevate podcast producer, Cass Charlesworth, and I'm hosting today's show. My guest today is Hazley Gush of Ray White, an award-winning Queensland auctioneer. Hazley is also the co-principal of Ray White New Farm, Ray White Spring Hill, Ray White East Brisbane, Ray White Balimba, and also a property management company called Living Here Kush Partners. Welcome to the show, Hazley. Well, Cass, thanks for having me on the uh, on the podcast. Great to be here. And since thanks for a mouthful of an introduction, we uh, we've launched two offices actually, or no, we've launched one uh, since the first of February, Ray White Toowong. So to add to that list, and we will launch Ray White Clayfield in the next five to six weeks. So part of our journey, framing up your the answer to your question, is. Um, also, that Spring Hill office that we've got, we brought back into New Farm, and that East Brisbane office we brought over to Balimba. And that really will help frame up the answer to some of the questions that people have about succession. So, what we've learned about succession has largely come from our mistakes <laughs> along the way. You know, it's uh, we've had a couple of false starts, and, uh, and what we've learned is, uh, and how we've been able to open those offices, is a leader first approach. So I started Ray White New Farm in 2005. Maddie bought the sales business from me in 2012. Uh, we re-merged in 2017. I had the rentals uh, for that whole period of time. He bought half the rentals in 2017. I bought back half of Ray White New Farm. And, and the story is the one that we're here to talk about today. One of the succession bits is I didn't really want to come back and own Ray White New Farm. Uh, I owned it by myself. And sold it to Matt. Matt had owned it by himself and he didn't want to own it. And what we learned was owning it alone, it was, it's really lonely. It's a hard job. Um, it, it, it can be unrewarding when you do it by yourself and to do it together was really energising. And we had this group of people inside Ray White New Farm that were probably where maybe a lot of your listeners are or where they've been, asking questions of what next, you know, because being a great real estate agent is a wonderful job for financial remuneration, great community involvement. But for some people, they're still looking for something else. And, and that thing is leadership. It's part of their fulfillment journey. Not for everybody. Uh, but we had a group of people at Railway New Farm that were really hitting that ceiling of what's next for me. And the first of those two was Scott Darwin and Brandon Wortley. Uh, and they opened Ray White East Brisbane and then Ray White Bilimba with us. And I'm lucky, I've, I've been with Ray White for 26 years and I've worked in their corporate team for about nine of those 26 years. And I've been to see a thousand business owners and a thousand business owners, some are really, really good and some are not really, really good. And the people that are really good, they embrace ambition 
and they work with people and they know that they are ambitious, so they get partners that are ambitious and help them on their journey. And some of them aren't and they try to squash their ambition and those people just go and do it with someone else. So a long answer to your short question is our succession journey is we want to partner with people that want to open businesses. We want to provide them all the value they need for the things they don't have. And then eventually we we do a partnership agreement that says the day you don't want us is the day we will leave. Um, and so it puts pressure on us to be a good partner um, and, uh, and they get to see the value in that. And we have pressure on them to perform in other ways. How do you identify somebody who's going to make a, a really good business partner or in this case is going to make a really good principal who should be brought up through the ranks? How do you do that? Yeah, one of the great things about real estate, if you think about any other industry, um, uh, let's, say for, let's say a salesperson, for example, you're a salesperson. The thing that made you need an assistant and become a leader or manager, all the skills that you needed to be able to employ someone, good salesperson, listing, sales, money, they are not the skills that are going to make you a good leader manager. In fact, they, none of those skills are required in order to be able to employ someone. Uh, when you then employ someone, you need to become a leader manager and one of the great parts of our industry is that everyone runs a micro business or sometimes macro business, you know, big, small, whatever, and you can see the skills. Are they a good leader to their associate, to their PA? Do they have good cost management? Does their BPA get out of control? Can they deliver a training session to their team or stand in for us and do a meeting when we're not there? Um, can they recruit? You know, can they bring people into their team? Can they retain to have this churn in the business? And we look at those pillars. Can you recruit? Can you retain? Uh, can you recruit? Can you retain? Um, do you have good cash flow management? You know, do you have cost control? It's a big one in our. Are you a good coach? You know, can you lead? Uh, and we watch that really closely. I do a leadership training course uh, with our people that they can come to and discuss leadership as a regular part of our language. Um, and, you, you know, when, when we don't hide from the fact you need money to open a business. So they need to have a saving plan um, and we have that journey for a long time. And if they think they're ready, we do an open book view of it on what it looks like and we say you probably won't make any money for the first 18 months, maybe two years. Are you going to be okay with that? Have you got enough money to get by? That shocks people. We take them through P&Ls and how they look and uh, the partners who are willing to take that risk Maybe make maybe will make money before that time, but being prepared not to allows for the business to live the journey it needs to live. How did you personally know that you were ready to go into business? So as you mentioned, you you took on Ray White New Farm first, and then Maddie came in. Um, how did you? And we're talking about Matt Lancashire here, in case um, our listeners may not realise the wonderful Matt Lancashire, incredible agent. Um, so how did you know you were ready to go into business? I was very lucky. So. Um, I started work for my mum, so I grew up in a real estate business. I've been around agents most of my life. I used to uh, stamp the contracts back when I was a 10, 12-year-old kid. I would be paid to do letterbox drops for my mum, so I would take the letters and then I would put them in a bin and set them on fire and then charge my mum for the letterbox dropping. So I'm aware of how the industry works. <laughs> and Inclu so including I um, naughty employees, apparently. Yeah, you're good at, you know how that part totally. works. You've been it. Great. I yeah. know all the, all the tricks. 
Uh, and so I joined mum in 2000, I joined mum in 96 as an 18 year old. And I saw the struggles of business ownership. I saw that to the outside world, what looked like a glamorous life was someone doing unglamorous work, working late, making cold calls, letterbox dropping, um, door knocking, like really unglamorous activity to be able to drive a glamorous car. You know, so I was under no illusion that it was hard work. I got a great job at a 21-year-old as a chief auctioneer, a 22-year-old for Ray White. Got to see all of the Queensland businesses and the business ownership, learn from them, train them, and that was when I knew. I'd been an agent for a, an agent trainer auctioneer for a decade, still only 20, best part of a decade, 26 when I bought Ray White New Farm. Uh, and then... Got to live a lot of lessons along the way. But I don't think it's like learning to tackle. You can read every textbook in the world, feel as ready as you like, practice as much as you like, but until someone at 130 kilos is running at your full freight and you tackle them, you're not going to know until you wrap your arms around. So you don't know. You've got to jump at something. What were some of the lessons that you did learn along the way? What were your three biggest lessons perhaps? Three biggest lessons is just because you're a good agent, and I, I was a good agent, I did, did well as an agent, was a great auctioneer, had great success. I'm no ego attached, that was just, you know, the reality of it. And my dad, who was living in Indonesia at the time, said, hey, Hayes, do you want me to, you know, I want to do something to help. Do you want me to pay for a myob course? And I said, dad, I don't need to know about myob or accounts. I'm a good real estate agent. I can list and sell. And I very quickly got a baptism of fire to understand that um, if you don't have good cost control, if you don't understand how the fixed cost in a business work, you don't budget and forecast um, and really watch your chart of accounts, then all the hard work can be for nothing. Uh, very, in fact, especially if you're a good agent, because if you're a good agent, you can hide a lot lot of lost money in your own personal sales and think you have a good business when really you're just working for your own sales. So that was a big one. Understand the stuff you don't understand uh, was a really big one. Um, also, real estate agents. So we, full commission agents, um, we're free, but we're emotional. And uh, so to in, be the emotional leader for these people and have time for your people and make time for your people. And it was a really big learning for me. Um, we weren't able to recruit in the early days because no one wanted to join us. We had no runs on the board. So we got a lot of broken real estate agents. And Matt Lancashire is a perfect example of an agent who worked somewhere else. I've known Matty all of his life, great mates. He didn't, couldn't make it work at another agent. Came to me and said he wanted to open a shoe shop I said, well, I'm desperate for agents. Why don't you come and be an agent? Maybe it wasn't that you're a bad agent. Maybe you were in the wrong place and spent time together, um, cared for each other. And yeah, he went on to be a great agent along with, with plenty of others. So the other thing is um, understand that. Understand that salespeople require emotional support. It's a really emotive job. You're dealing with sellers and buyers who are highly emotional. They need time. Genuine, valuable, look them in the eye, not scrolling into Instagram or texting or like time, authentic time is what they need, one-on-one. -on -one. 
Uh, and then the third one is prevention's the best cure. So when you learn a lesson of an issue in a business and it's likely going to come up again, fix it. If someone leaves your business because you don't spend time with them, look, get paid for that loss. Set it in your calendar to have time with people. Uh, if someone is not skilled, set time in your calendar for training each week. If your options aren't working, set time in your calendar to work on options each week. If you've got unhealthy staff, set time in your calendar to physically work out with them. You know, like do the things. If there's an issue, fix it. And our business today is largely a reflection of the lessons we've learned. You know, prevention is the best cure. Get in front of the issue. Um, we do that. I'm really proud of the way we do that actually today. So there are the three things on the spot. Excellent. Okay, excellent. Now, I'll come back to, uh, to the idea of succession in terms of the Ray White framework because, of course, Ray White sets a great example as an organisation of succession in a business. Is this part of the reason you're so passionate about it? Being part of the franchisor team for a while, I saw too many examples of young, uh, and I use the term young, not necessarily age, you know, like that enthusiastic, energetic time in your life. I mean, the older I get the older old is, <laughs> uh, like, oh, no, you're still young when you're 100 because I'm 100. It's those 120-year-olds that are old. Uh, I saw too many principals have bad businesses bring in this energetic person as a partner, turn their business's lights back on, and then they don't want to partner with them or they don't want to embrace that. They think it's all them. When they know deep down it's that person, they choose not to partner with them. That person then leaves uh, or a franchise or forces an engagement where they have to sell. It's a bitter end when it could have been so much better. It could have been a beautiful partnership. Hey, I've been around a long time. I know what you don't know. And I made a bit of money, so I've got money that you don't have. But you've got energy that I don't have and you've got time that I don't have. Let's merge those skills and... I'll get five great years that I wasn't going to have and you'll get the best five years start that you were going to have and then I've got a buyer for my business and it's you and you don't have to worry about starting from scratch. You're going to have this beautiful transition. And so, yeah, our succession plan is find these people. I want to be out of the business in five years when the Scott and Brandon who I remember might say, we're already two years in and three years I want out. And more power to them if that's what they want to do. I think have enough opportunities and businesses out there that this new one we've opened with Ruben Packer Hill at Tawal, well, that can happen. And Nick Given at Ray White Claypit, well, that can grow. And it's my responsibility to look after the growth of my business. Previously, you've mentioned there are four key areas when it comes to business ownership. The first is capital. So the people that you're looking at um, need to have the ability to have capital or to support themselves for that 18 months when the business is growing. The second is intellectual property. So in this case, that's through the Ray White Network. And the third is time in the business. So what are you looking for when it comes to time in the business? How long should they have been in the industry or what do you need to see? So, yeah, I, I want to really, I want to probably be clear on. So if you, let's say you were our person, you worked with us, we loved you, you're great, you're successful. So I'd look at your business and I would say, okay, how does Kaz's team can she recruit and can she retain? 
How's her cost flow? Is she constantly chasing vendor paid advertising? Um, is she terrible with her money? Like what's happening there? And can she deliver a training session, right? Um, I'd look at that and then go, okay, what about coaching? Is she coachable? Can she coach? If I think tick, 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 great, right? You're going to be a business owner. Now, whether you're going to do it with me or not, now it comes to whether we make a partnership. You, as the person coming in, well, a lot of people on that journey, while they need money, and you do need money, you need to be able to save money as an agent to open a business because they're not cheap, and you do need to run out a period of time where you're going to be having fixed costs and no income. But if you were to partner with us or with whichever principals in your office, they've probably got some capital, they've probably got some money that you don't have. And when I say intellectual property, they've probably learned a lot of lessons. They know things about business that you don't know and don't need to know because you haven't been in that stage of business. And a lot of people's stress in going into business is, what about all these things that I don't know? I mean, I didn't make a dollar of net profit in our first 18 months. I mean, I got 18 months worth of great lessons, but in our other businesses where we've partnered, those partners are making money in that time. Even though I tell them to have no expectation of it, they are because we can negotiate better because we've learned the harder lessons. We can employ better. We've learned the hard lessons. We have relationships with all of the suppliers. We're not wasting money in frivolous areas. And so our benefit is we can take care of the back end and a principal that's been around can take care of the back end a lot more seamlessly than a new person. So when I then say, well, what do they bring? What do you bring? When I say time, I mean actual hours of work. As you just said before, three little kids. I've got three little kids. Love those little kids. Five, seven, and nine. Got a wife that I'm madly in love with. So what I need time-wise now is I need to allocate time to the kids, allocate time to Alicia. There are things that I need to allocate to. When I was 26, the only thing I needed to nurse on the weekend was a hangover. I could work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Did not care and was happy to do it. So me as a 26-year-old partner, I'm a great partner because I've got time. I can work all the time. Um, and energy, wake up like the energizer bunny. And there's a lot of business owners that could look at their business and go, wow, partnering with that person might even improve my profit today, even if it was half of the business, based on that person driving with time in a business, bringing energy. And then if I take the stress and the questions away with capital and intellectual property lessons, then all they need to do is focus on listing, focus on selling, focus on recruitment, focus on retention, make sure the costs, I'll teach them about that along the way, and off the business goes. Is there an art to a good partnership? Because I know you and Matt have been partners for a while, but not all partnerships in real estate work out and some of them end badly. Is there an art to a good partnership and entering it well? There's an expression that I used to say, which is <laughs> partnership is the only ship that never leaves the shore. And uh, I didn't like the idea of ever being in a partnership. I am a control freak. I like two hands firmly on the steering wheel. But fast forward to today, I love my partnerships, love them. I would not do this job today alone. 
I had, I did it, I've had the opportunity to do it live. It allows me to be so authentic with my new partners to say, hey, you know, I did it by myself, so did Matt. Both of us sold. <laughs> that's, that's the world of this. So I think the art of a good partnership is um, valuing what the other person does. Now, Matt and I are very, very lucky because we both can value what the other person does because we both have sold this business once to each other. So I do the jobs that Matt doesn't want to do. Matt does the jobs that I don't want to do. Can I do those jobs? Yeah, I've done them. Can Matt do my jobs? Yes, he's done them. Do they give him fulfillment? No. And so when we look to the partners that we have, we look to the roles that they're going to perform, roles that we're going to perform, and make sure there's a match. And that's where the value exchange comes in and the law of exchange comes in, where they can buy us out if they want. We don't want partners trapped with us. This 2022, there shouldn't be agreements where if they're unhappy, they should stay. If they're unhappy, they should go. Who wants to be in an unhappy partnership? Make the partnership relied on value. I mean, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a real estate house. I grew up in a real estate world. I've seen relationships break down. I don't want my relationship to break down at home. So I do the things that make a good relationship at home. Um, same as a business partnership. You've got to give them time. You've got to have debate. You need to address the elephant in the room and discuss what you're unhappy about. Prevention's the best cure. What, what are the problems that are going to come up? Let's deal with them in advance. And, uh, and uh, look, anyone who's been married for a long time will say it takes a lot of work, um, a lot of forgiveness. Uh, before Alicia and I got married, we went to marriage council. Uh, it was part of the, um, we got married in the Catholic church and they said go to marriage counselling in advance. And they said this thing that's really stuck to us and it helps in business. You're not going to agree on everything. In fact, most of the time, 70% is as close as you're ever going to get. That's enough. Drop it and move on. You don't have to be right or agree on everything. And Matt and I, our partnership has really worked on that. Oh, he sells. He is you know, the Rafa Nadal of our time, the, the Jonathan Thurston of our era in terms of sales. So if there are things he doesn't do operationally that upset me, well, why don't I just get over that? Because he's doing enough on the field. Um, and if there's things that I'm not doing on the sales field that annoy him, we've got over 120 staff. He doesn't have the time to deal with those issues. Over, you know, thousands of Rentals, properties, he doesn't have the time to deal with that. If he doesn't like how something looks, he doesn't have the time to really deal with that. And he's just got to trust that I can do it. Um, so I don't know if that gives you the specific answers, but you've really just got to deal with an open relationship with your partner uh, and, and have set rules. And we meet a lot. We do meet a lot. How yeah. often do you meet? Uh, so we, meet, we go through the full accounts once a month, so full P&L once a month. We have um, three, with every partner, we have a management meeting every week. So we go through that. Uh, we have an auction meeting once a week. So we'll go through all the auctions together. We physically train together twice a week. Um, we then, just the two of us, will have a private meeting every fortnight, just for one hour, to ensure that we're going through 
Um, like any note that we need to, that we might miss each other in the hallway on, it just adds there that we can talk about that. One of the other great things, our wives are great friends now. Like I would say best friends now. And that helps. And one of the things that we have, and this is whether you're male, female, um, married, not married, gay, straight, whatever, if the partner isn't involved in the business, they're not involved in the business. They can say whatever they want on the pillow at home, but they cannot have their say inside the business. If they want a job in the business, they're hired and they can have as many says as they want. But there is no point having someone that's not involved getting involved. It will ruin your partnership in a minute. Get them out of the business. Um, and we, and I love to be able to go home and get it all off my chest to Alicia. I don't want her walking in the next day, giving everybody one of these ones, you know? Uh, and similarly, I want Matt to be able to have a great conversation at home with um, Caitlin and deal with that in their home. But I don't want that coming up. Really important. So, yeah, we do meet quite a lot. And they meet every day. And, and clear guidelines as well, as you said, on, on, on whose strengths and weaknesses and how they tie in together, which is, which is important in marriage and business. Let's talk about what's happening with Ray White Tuong and Ray White Clayfield. Where, how did this come about and what are your plans for these two new offices? So Ray White Clayfield is very much a part of our traditional succession plan. Nick Given has been with us 11 years. We identified about two years ago that he was really, it was being approached quite a lot from other people. He didn't know whether he was ready. He was having questions that were being asked. He watched his two colleagues go and open Ray White Balimba. So we created an internal test. Basically, he became a sales mentor at New Farm with me. He conducted the one-on-ones with the salespeople every second month. So I would do one month, he would do the second month. Uh, his team, we watched how he was with his team. Um, he came on leadership training with me, really intensive, really hard, good conversation, meaty conversation about leadership, and he excelled. Uh, we then needed a way for him to get money. You know, very good saver, but you can't save anywhere near as much as um, you can make if you invest well. So we got him into property, really a focus on fast-forwarding him into buying property. Uh, even though he was a high-income earner, wasn't a huge priority for him. Uh, and we said, and we watched that. And we said, okay, now this is happening. Um, we've got the leader. We think you're right. Let's have a look for the marketplace. Uh, and then the opportunity at Clayfield arose uh, and perfect. So we're now moving to that. We're going in uh, as a 50-50 partner. He'll be 50%, Matt and I'll be 50% and, and off we go. Reuben Packer Hill at Tawong is a different one. It, it slightly breaks our mind. We've known Reuben for about 10 years. That's the bit that really helps. Uh, but we were approached by Ray White CEO, Jason Andrew, and said, look, Ruben's exploring options, business options. Lots of people are talking to him. He's an exciting young guy. Um, he's looking at owning a business by himself. But also those things that I talked to you about, that IP, largely IP, he's got capital, um, you know, because he's a great salesperson. Wanting to see, he sees how well it works with you and Matt, with the guys at Belimba, whether it'd be worth a conversation together. So we started to talk for a good period of time where he got some insights on how we worked. We got his partner and his kids over to my home 
my wife, Matt's wife, and our kids to see that we've all got aligned values. And he's just a special guy. Really, if you met him, um, know many of your listeners might know him, just a really genuine, really good guy, hardworking. And we were just fell in love with him. And we said, okay, we can make this work as a partnership. Uh, it's not all about, oh my God, here's Ruben, here's a million dollar plus rider, let's go and do a business. Those things don't work. There's got to be more in it than just the dough. And you've got to want both parties to succeed. He's got to want us to be profitable out of this. We've got to want him to go on and own it by himself. I've got to fight for what's going to be important to him when he leaves us. And so, yeah, we we said we'd do Ray White at Tawong. Uh, Ray White at Tawong. And in that journey, we met this great um, industry icon, Robin McElwain from from Bell and Russ Cornish, and they're at a point of their career where they just sold their red rock. And they, we approached them and they said, well, why don't you refit our office, uh, rebrand it to yours, we'll work with you, and we'll come on the journey as well as salespeople. And it's a huge compliment to us. These guys are industry icons in the western suburbs of Brisbane, opened offices in the 70s. Uh, uh, my mum knows them just Real pioneers, great age. Robin's been with us a month. She's turned up with four auctions, you know, like nails it. Uh, and so we're excited to see where that goes. Really the infancy stages of that business. But um, they're going really well. Really good. Yeah, so that's, and that's where the Ray White to Long journey. So, yeah, we, we do like to have worked with people first so that we can make sure they like us and they're aligned with us and we like them and we're aligned with them. But... Uh, it was worth breaking the mould for Ruben. He's special. As you have such exposure to such an incredible amount of Brisbane, what are you seeing in terms of trends and, and things happening in the Brisbane market at the moment? Yeah, so look, property-wise, Brisbane's, it, a lot of people don't realise, we had about a 10-year pause button. Uh, Brisbane really didn't go anywhere in prices from 08 to 2018. It was pretty lacklustre. We had an apartment oversupply, 2014 to around 2016. So we saw that have a heavy effect on rental prices. We're down. We had a big part of our rental business was explaining to owners that their rent's going to go down. Unit prices went down. Uh, so when COVID hit and people started to think, well, maybe I want to buy and we're spending time in our homes and the house that was too big got even bigger and the house that was too small got even smaller. They're looking at property. They went, God, Brisbane's cheap. Prices have gone in a decade. Those units, oh, my God, they're even less than people pay. Interest rates are what? In the ones, buy, 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 buy. Markets run. Then um, every other state had bigger, much bigger, harder lockdowns than Queensland. We sold a stack of property, usually more in the high end, via video walkthrough last year. That market ran. Buyers agents, never dealt with as many buyers agents. Their, their books are full. They're great people to deal with. We've got great relationships with them. And then coming into 2022, I was like, well, what's going to happen now? Market's gone for about 18 months. We're due. We're due a five-year run easily. Um, but what's going to happen now? It's a very volatile world. And we found these new people. They're called COVID migrants. So they didn't buy off the FaceTime, but they made the decision in lockdown in Melbourne largely, but in Sydney, I'm going to move to Brisbane. But I'm not moving because it's cheap. I'm not even moving because of the sunshine. I'm just moving because I don't want to be here anymore in lockdown. They've come up, they've rent, they've rented. 
Now we're seeing them pop up, go, I love it here, and it's really good value. I've just sold my place over there, buckets of dough. Um, and, yeah, the market's gone up. It's still cheap compared to my place. And I can surf, get to the beach in 50 minutes, or I can get to the bush in 50 minutes. And your restaurants are getting better and your theatre's getting better and I can work anywhere. So we're seeing 2022 in 26 years is the best January I've seen by the length of the stretch. Applications for loans are double in the last quarter of last year than what they were in the last quarter of the previous year. And the last quarter of the previous year was a record and they are double. So all these people have money. They're looking at Brisbane um, and they're thinking like they, they're ready to buy. We will see some pause, which can happen in a market around elections, don't know what that would rate, but the value is still there in the market and that'll drive. And I think the Olympics at the end of 2030, like at 2032, at the end of the decade, I think that's a nice little like little thing for people to go, well, that's going to see a market rise by itself. Good value, good infrastructure, low rates, Brisbane's ready. I think that's going to see it. I think we should be right for the next three or four years. Hazy, I'm going to let you go. We could talk for ages. And as I mentioned earlier, we would love to get you back on the podcast to talk about auctioneering, all those sorts of things, um, and, and further things that are happening in the Brisbane market. I'd like to say congratulations on Ray White Tomorrow and Ray White Clayfield. That's very exciting for, for you guys. Congratulations again. But before I let you go, we ask this final question of all our guests. What one final piece of advice or key takeaway would you like to leave our listeners with today? I would say that their mood is in their control. And if people understand that they are the emotional leaders of themselves and the people around them, it's not hard to work out what makes you feel good. It's not hard to work out what makes you feel bad. So work out what makes you feel good. Start every day in that bucket. Start every day with a positive mindset. Plan your day before it starts. Know what you're going to do that day and then just do what you plan. And I liken it to put fuel in the car, be grateful, do the positive things, get a map for where you want to go, which is have a plan for your day, allocate your time, and then just drive. Like Then just do the day. And, uh, and if you do that, you'll be fulfilled and you'll have a really successful career. I hope that helps. Hazel Kush, that is wonderful advice and thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Pleasure. Thanks, Kaz. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Elevate podcast. With thanks to connectnow.com.au. Don't forget to get access to all of Elite Agent's premium resources, including a detailed episode guide for this podcast. Visit joineliteagent.com.